You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to uh, Tech Fan number 98. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. Since we didn't introduce ourselves on the uh, episode we did that wasn't our show. <laughs> the first thing we'll do here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I want to thank uh, the, the three geeky ladies, Vicky, Suze, and uh, Elisa, for you know jumping ship from the three geeky ladies podcast to do a tech fan uh last episode for us of course david and i were doing geekiest show ever but uh you know if you're subscribed to this show you already know that because i snuck that episode of geekiest show ever into our feed so our listeners actually got to hear an episode of geekiest show ever did you know i did that david i noticed yeah yeah well you know you want to know why i did it honestly uh blow your own trumpet no, someone left a, a scathing iTunes review. Really? Yeah, just scathing. Of, they, of what? Of what we did, or what they do, or uh, both? Uh, well, here I'll instead of trying to. Yeah, I don't know if I want to launch my iTunes on this. Yeah, I'll do it anyways. Hopefully, it won't try to download a thousand video podcasts. Okay, let me go to iTunes. Type in Tech Fan. Ah. Uh, and tech fan podcast so now i have to scroll down because you know we don't uh, we we tend not to pander to ask people to review us and stuff like that no um just eh, i don't know so this one uh, yeah there's a whole debate about how useful those reviews are in the are anyway well we don't get a lot of reviews because we we just we don't pander for it. We don't ask people yeah. to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I go there and I read them, but there's so few and far between that, eh, you know, we never really mention it. I would love it if the people who actually listened to the show and enjoyed it or disliked it would go to iTunes and uh, review the show. But the latest one came on October 28th. So this is right after the three geeky ladies took over. Mm-hmm. And they explained that this is, you know, uh, an annual thing that. The podcasters in the Stoplight Network switch shows and somebody else does the other and blah, 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 blah. So this person, if he actually listened to it, would have known that this is a one-episode deal. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that the same week we released, well, technically the next week, but you know, within the same time frame that we released that geekiest show ever that we did that explains what we're doing as well. Yeah. So this review is from Suntanned Monk. Yeah, and it reads, and it's one good star. Way, good way to start your argument. Yeah, yes, yes. Have a silly name. <laughs> one star, and it says, "I don't know why you canceled the weekly podcast and replaced it with a couple of very not uh, of not very geeky females squawking at each other <laughs> as they struggle through rudimentary use of iPad." But I couldn't even get through this week's episode and feel that you have failed to live up to the expectations that you have set. I have unsubscribed and purged the podcast from all my devices. Which, if true, he, you know, he didn't hear me just say any of that. <laughs> it cracked me right. up. So, so let's, let, let's, well, you know, let's just, I mean, I made a comment back there about the value of these sorts of reviews. So let's just kind of, let's, let's yes. dissect that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> For squawking. Because, well. Could you well, be a little bit I mean, more this, sexist there? Really? This is, 
this is typical of what you see in comments in general on the internet nowadays. Yeah, you know, you have to look long and hard in most article comments or reviews or stuff like that to find, you know, the gems of usefulness as opposed to stuff like this, which, you know, by the tone of it, whatever, however you, I mean, you wouldn't in real life most of the time be that discourteous to somebody, even if you were really upset with something they'd done to you. You know, most people don't go into... I don't know, Best Buy or Walmart or something like that, if they have a problem with something they've purchased, they've paid money for, as opposed to these things which are, are, are done, you know, for, for free to the end user, um, and, and really use the kind of language that, that, is, that is condescending at best and, you know, borderline abusive at worst. Well, at least his comments were very sexist. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, but I'm talking about the tone. I'm not yeah, talking about the specifics of the comments, yeah. Uh, and and then and then to go on and, and kind of imply that that, that that they didn't know what they were doing. Well, I listened to the episode they did of our show, and and I thought it was good. You I know what I did I, after I listened to it? I immediately went and checked my when my iPad and iPhone were plugged into iTunes to see how much yeah. of the yellow bar we used. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I wonder what that so is. So it's an interesting topic, you know. And they did work some stuff out effectively on the air, but I thought it was interesting for that because it, you know, it talks about. You know, I, I, it was quite a good. Uh, to me, I thought it was quite a good way of demonstrating how you work a problem. Yeah, I agree. You know, in in a collaborative way, and I and I thought it was it was interesting to to hear the different experiences because, um, you know, of the three of them, that you know, the the, the they you know they all had different experiences and different knowledge and. You know, if one of them didn't know much about iPad and iTunes and, and kind of saying, well, I'm learning something new here, at the same time, she was talking with authority about other stuff. So it was a real mix of views. I agree. Um, you know, so, so but, but obviously, you know, opinions are different. And, and clearly, this commenter did not like what he heard at all. Uh, and, and then has to go and, and put something else. But the other, the other thing I'd like to pick out on that is this kind of this, um, this, this, Having said I didn't like it, this this need to state very publicly of the punishment that is going to be meted out, <laughs> such as his yeah. such as his dissatisfaction is you know I have I have unsubscribed and purged it from all the purged like, yeah like you we've know, been the, purged David like the brimstone of hell has come down and and erased the bits scorched the like earth of the tech fan purge. <laughs> The tech fan plague has been purged from his devices. Exactly. I, I you know, I, I, I and I mean, if you felt that strongly, wouldn't you actually engage us in a dialogue? I mean, we we give out every week our contact details, so wouldn't you drop an email at least with those kind of things and saying, "Look, what's going on? I don't like what you've done with the show. Bring back what I liked before, rather than expunge." Or at like, least, uh, I don't know, Twitter maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so this is what I don't understand when people feel that, you know, kind of talk like this, is is this, and it does seem to be an internet thing, there's there's something about the anonymity you get from comments and reviews and that sort of thing that sometimes makes people very, very reactionary, and you kind of think, God, I really hope you're not like that in real life, because if you are, you're a real real jerk. Yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not. I mean, um, nobody could be that way and get through life without getting black eyes all the time. And bloody but what lips. does it? What does it say about people that that um, you know? There's an awful lot of people who who 
presumably come across as fairly nice in real life, and yet on on comments or in reviews and that sort of thing, they they feel they need to kind of behave like this. I think you know, it's we, the, the we, shroud of anonymity. Yeah, but even so, I mean, it's like it's like saying, "Oh, well, if you could get away with it, would you kill somebody?" I mean, it, it, I, I think it's, it's interesting to understand what it says about the human psyche that when you have that shroud of anonymity, you feel like you can you can be more of a jerk than you would be in real life. Yeah. It, you know, what does that say about us as a society? And, uh, you know, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or is it it's just valuable that maybe internet comments and, and, and Amazon reviews and that sort of thing can expose, <laughs> expose this? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've never... I've never, no matter, however upset I've been about stuff, I've never written anything like that on a on a forum. And um, I've, I'm kind of surprised, though, that the you know the, this particular listener or ex-listener um, was that upset that one episode we didn't do, and it was clearly stated by those who were doing it that it's a one episode thing would. I don't understand why he would be so upset about that. To well, me, it's like, oh, you get to yeah. listen to something different. Sure, okay, if you if you like listening to David and I rant about this, that, and the other every week, and that's your thing, cool. That's kind of why we do it. But by the same token, it's like, wow, dude, expand your horizons a little bit. I'm not saying so, go subscribe to Geeky Show or uh, Geek, Three Geeky Ladies if that's not your thing. That's cool because it's not everybody's thing. Just like Tech Fan isn't everybody's thing. Uh, but by the same token, that this this i'm purging it <laughs> it's, it's like wow really I'm, I'm reminded i'm reminded of something else i read this week which was uh somebody in my twitter feed posted a link to a uh, a guy who writes for what's called a libertarian conservative blog which you know uh, maybe it's not because i'm not american but i i i struggle to get my head around that concept because certainly from what i read on there it didn't seem to be like very libertarian it was very very conservative but i couldn't see where the libertarian came in but this basically was a guy who was reacting to the election result by saying that he and he was quite literal about this he says i am not going to write for this blog anymore i'm done i'm sick after what happened in the election i'm sick of it all i am uh, after after writing this post and making some comments i will not be participating anymore and i'm also disowning all family and friends that i either know or or suspect of voting for president obama yeah and it was just like dude really you know and it, it was it was very passive aggressive in that you know he was going to do all of this but he wasn't actually going to you know kind of stick by the courage of his convictions and move to another country or anything like that it was it was all about i'm going to stay here i'm just going to disown all these people uh, and uh, you know spit in front of anybody who i think is a is a, a supporter of obama and all this sort of thing and then having written this which kind of you know is very very extreme but you kind of think well okay maybe he generally does feel that strongly about this there was like 40 pages of comments of him debating with everybody in the comments about what he was doing and why he was doing it and it was you know i was kind of tempted to to kind of uh, almost think boy for for somebody who wants to cut himself off from all of this he isn't he isn't half going on about it at all. oh well it's the it's the whole <laughs> look at me look at me look at me thing yeah, i mean you know Everybody has that to a certain extent, but yeah, he's yeah. he's not going to do anything. He's no. just venting because he wasn't happy that his views were shot down by the majority of the. It's just the way it is. 
but but the uh, this again it does seem to be kind of a, a an internet phenomenon it's that, that there, everything has to be so polarized now the whole point about democracy uh, and we live in a whatever you're talking about whether it's the computer you like to have or the operating system you want to run or the games you like to play or the political party you support the whole point about democracy is that not everybody agrees the same way but you know, kind of, it it works itself out, and you you have the freedom to do whatever you personally want to do, and that's surely to be celebrated rather than you know, kind of cursed as as the opposite side. Well, I've talked before in the past about the fact that a lot of people have this. Um, this is mine. These are my people. Uh, the clanism, and yeah. It's yeah. it's easy to think that we've we've evolved past that, but we haven't at all as a species, no. and it's not ever going to change. I, I honestly believe that. This is my football team, and I love my football team, and I hate your football team, and I'm going to hang around with people on Sundays who like my football team that equally hate your football team. Um, this is my computer, and this is why I use it, and I'm a staunch Mac guy, and. PCs are terrible, and I hate you because you use a P. It's always been like that. It hasn't, you know. When I started my Mac magazine in 1995, it was obviously pro Macintosh, and we poked fun at PC users all the time. But it was never really hateful, and it was always well, that, kind yeah. of, you know, jokey, ha ha, wink wink. But at the end of the day, we understood people use the tools that make sense for them. And if that's not Macintosh, yeah. fine, so be it. But yeah. it, it was never hateful. And it seems to me, and you see it on Facebook, especially during the selection season, I've got friends who are Republicans and I've got friends who are Democrats. Before the election, some of my Democratic friends were just attacking with just malice in their heart, just attacking Mitt Romney and the Republicans. And the Republican friends were just attacking Obama and the Democrats just with malice in their hearts. And it was depressing. And I learned to start skipping over those. And I wasn't going to get into those debates. Because it didn't matter what one person wrote or what the response was. You're never going to change anybody's mind. No. And, and that's the part that I think that most people forget. It's fine to debate it, but you're really not going to change anybody's mind. So why get so upset when they don't agree with you? Yeah. Because you had no chance of changing their mind to begin with. Any more than they were going to change your mind. Yeah. And it's just that clanism that, you know... But I, I, you kind of wonder whether the tools we have now that allow us to communicate much more freely, these te- you know, freely these technical tools, whether they actually the exposure to other people's views actually is ever going to change that tribalism, or whether all it does is entrench it further. You know, it changes it for some people. Some people do change their mind when they become more yeah. informed, and that's what we have to hope in this tech world of ours. And we're tech fans. In this tech world of ours, that we have more access to more information, and that with just a little bit of time, our species will learn to embrace this technology, do more research, become more informed, 
and base their opinions on that information. Now, it depends on what they're reading and how they're reading it and what their bias was when they first go into it. But that doesn't change the fact that the technology, I don't think, is is exuberating the problem. I just think that we see it more than we ever did before. Yeah, There, there was always racism. I think there's less racism in the United States now than there ever was before. Yeah. Is that is that because of technology? I don't know. Somewhat. Because now you get to see and read and hear the thoughts of people that you didn't really know anything about. Yeah. And I think it starts changing things. Uh, if you're homophobic and you're reading this guy's blog for a while and you're really enjoying it and then you find you find out, oh, wow, he's gay. I didn't even know that. I All these things that he was writing that I agreed with and was really enjoying was coming from a gay guy. Well, how does that change my views of homosexuals now? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my hope, that what the technology will do will educate people and they'll become less hateful. Now, it's a case-by-case basis. I do think that's happening, David. But by the same token, to your point, I do think that it's it's made it more known, more accepted to see the other people's views and attack them Mm. especially if you can do it anonymously you know it it just makes it easier um and it's interesting there's there's quite i don't know how it's in states but but there's quite um there's quite a movement here now to uh people who who commit effectively a, a speech crime you know like a hate crime or something like that or or breach breach the the rules of law in terms of uh, what can you say about the victims of crime and everything are being quite uh, regularly prosecuted now here in the uk they do that sort of thing on twitter uh, and and i know that you know there's the infamous case of the guy who who made a jokey bomb threat about an airport and then was done for terrorism charges and that was you know, I think everyone appreciates the guy has now been had that overturned on appeal. Everyone appreciates that was no overreaction. But by the same token, we've had um, we've had uh, cases recently where uh, people who play soccer have been racially abused on Twitter, and those people have been prosecuted for that. Uh, as you know, that that language is not unacceptable, and that sort of abuse is not acceptable. And there was also some friends of a guy who was convicted of a he was another footballer was convicted of a rape. Um, uh, you know, it was one of these things where he took a girl back to a room and, and she was drunk and she said no and he just ignored her. Um, and uh, he was convicted for that and some of his friends and family uh, tweeted her name and, and, you know, we're calling her all these names and a money grabber and all this sort of thing. And they've now been prosecuted because that's not allowed here. Yeah, but there's a, there's a uh, really... Because you just described two different things. Mm. Um, while... See, I'm a, I'm a staunch believer in, in freedom of speech. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is a result of that freedom. I don't agree with hate speech. I hate it. But where do you draw the line? What do you say is and is not acceptable? I agree that naming a victim is not good. And it shouldn't be allowed. But should someone get prosecuted and go to jail for jumping on a, a Twitter and calling someone the N-word because it might hurt someone's feelings? Because uh, there's a big difference yeah. between saying this is the person who's who's uh, wrongfully accusing so-and-so of rape and putting that person in danger or saying something that's racist 
which may hurt someone's feelings. Uh, there's well, a big I, difference yeah. there. I mean, well, there's, there's a couple of points there. First of all, is that you know these these cases all fall within the rule of British law. We don't have the same free speech uh, protections that you do. I know, um, which is are, why are, you know, that, that, that's, that's a big that's, issue for me. It is. A, it is a big issue. I do understand where you're coming from that, and I do, I do kind of agree. But the point is, is that is that within the rule of law of this country, you can't say things on Twitter that you're not allowed to say in other forms and i and i agree with that yeah that's that's fine that's that's the laws there i would hope they would change eventually but yeah in terms of those specific cases i think i think on the on the race issue it's not it's it's not that you can't say something racist um you know it's not that you'll get prosecuted saying something racist this was an an incitement to racial hatred charge because the uh it wasn't just one thing it wasn't just one word it was some you know a fairly abusive series of of, of tweets that um, taken as a, a collection, I believe the prosecution case was, um, would would be likely to promote uh, or, or aggregate further racial um, acts against the person concerned. That's kind of the way it's constructed. So it's not just as simple as saying, oh, you know, I can't call you a, uh, I can't call you the N word or I can't, um, you know, make, um, make one particular comment about the color of your skin. It's more than that. But I, I do appreciate what you're saying, you know, but that's, that's kind of a, but a see the problem, issue. the problem with me there, honestly, is it puts the onus on a prosecutor who we then have to just, assume that he's going to do the right thing every time it, it's well, a slippery slope it really it, is it, it is and but it but it you know as i say it's the way the law is here yeah. um and um i think i think you know to kind of break it off from the technology um you know the the, the rights and wrongs of, of of our legal framework and and the way those things are dealt with is one thing but what i found interesting is that it's now becoming well understood by people in this country. There was there was a couple of other people who talked about um, what they'd done in the uh, in the riots we had last year on Facebook, and they were then prosecuted as a result of that mm-hmm. uh, because it was evidence. You know, people are starting to appreciate that in the UK that you can't use the anonymity of the internet to just kind of do whatever the hell you want and say whatever the hell you want and break our law if you're residing in this country. And and I think it's interesting that you know. Uh, some of these things are now going from being kind of stuff that, that the law isn't even aware of and, and doesn't even understand into something that's becoming much more integrated in society and for good and for ill, you know. Yeah, I, I, I can appreciate that. My, my fear is always the thought police. You know? Oh yeah! Don't get don't get me wrong. I don't want to see any sort of um, fascist state or anything like that. And and obviously, you know, we do have we do have uh, you know laws here that that. Not, not necessarily everyone agrees with, but that, you know, as we were saying before, that's democracy, and and you know, the, if if uh, as a country we decide that we want something that's different from that, then we will argue for it, and hopefully it will change. You know, we'll ask our legislators to change it. Yeah, you know. unless they decide that it's against the law for you to ask that. Well, you know, <laughs> yes. I just be, I'm just talking the piss out of you there. I know. <laughs> I, you know, and these are the kind of conversations that I love having on Tech Fan, David. To be honest, uh, yeah. this is episode ninety-eight, which means we're two weeks out from our one hundredth episode, which is going to fall squarely on Black Friday. I'm not, I'm not venturing out of the house, so I'm fine to do the <laughs> podcast that day. Um, but of course, that's the day after the American Thanksgiving holiday, and I think that's kind of appropriate 
uh, for me, David, that our 100th episode, which we're not going to do anything big special for. It's just another number. Um, But our 100th episode comes after Thanksgiving. And I could tell you right now, if I don't mention it then, that personally, I've got a lot to be thankful for. And uh, one of the big things is being able to do this podcast on a weekly basis with you. We don't always agree on everything, uh, but I have a hell of a good time doing this show. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's always fun, and it's you know it's it's not just. I mean, I enjoy the conversations with you, and I enjoy what we talk about immensely. And you know, you wouldn't neither of us would do it if we didn't. But also, it's the fact that there are people out there like that, um, like that guy left the comment who who enjoy listening to what we do as well. I mean, it's immensely gratifying to to know that people listen, and you know, whether they agree or disagree, they're interested in in hearing our conversation. You know, absolutely, and I, you know. I love it when people send us feedback. We don't get a lot, and again, because we don't really pander for feedback. But yeah, honestly, when when someone does send feedback in, David and I love that. Yeah, it, it's and really and, fun. And let's let's be clear, you know, the, the, despite the fact that we deconstructed our uh, commenters' argument back there, I mean, if he wants to come back, we'll welcome him with open arms. Absolutely, and I would love yeah. to. I would love to uh, to listen to him expand upon his thoughts. On yeah. what was so bad about the three geeky ladies doing tech fan? What what was so bad that he was compelled to get onto iTunes? Because you can't do this from your iPhone or your iPad. You got to go onto your computer, go to our podcast listening, and type you know three or four sentences. Yeah. What? How? Why was it so bad? What made it so bad? Because I found it interesting. And I, I can understand why not everybody would find it interesting. Sure. I can understand why our discussion on Disney buying Star Wars on the last geeky show ever wasn't going to be interesting to everybody. But yep. I, I, I find it hard to believe that just one episode, if you enjoy the show, that that one episode would, would just make you want to purge tech fan completely. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, you know, we, we, we live in a society where if you don't want to consume a piece of content, you, you know, there's no penalty for not doing it. Mm-mm. When I was growing up, you know, there was like four radio channels and four TV channels. Right, you didn't have a whole lot of choice. That's yeah. the nice thing so, about this society. We have so much choice, David. And that stuff did not transmit 24 hours a day. No. You know, TV came on the middle of the afternoon. There was nothing in the morning. Um, and so... You basically you had to watch what was on, and if you didn't like it, if there was nothing on something on another channel you wanted to watch, and of course this was the days when most te- most houses had one TV and no video recorder, you were stuck. You know, you just kind of had to suck it up and and put up with it. And, and no matter how bad it was, you or how personally offended you, you 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 either had to watch it or turn it off or go to another room. Now. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's, it's a TV show, it's unlimited, and you know what, if you don't want to listen to it, you just hit the next button and move on to something else. And more importantly, the, the common man, the common woman, have the ability to create their own content and find their own audience. That's what we're doing here. That's what this yeah. is all about. And people are listening. So I think that's a it's a very viable thing that you, you're not stuck with a limited amount of choice. It's it's practically unlimited. And I heard something that kind of segued into uh, what we talk about here, uh, technology. I was listening to a podcast, and I listen to a lot of different podcasts, David. 
Um, I'll get into a podcast and I'll kind of listen to all of them. And then I'll kind of, well, okay, well, I don't want to listen to this podcast anymore. And I find another one. That's the great thing about this choice that we have. But one of the ones that I, I have liked for a while now uh, is done by Alec Baldwin, the actor. And mm-hmm. it's called Here's the Thing. And he does a really good job. He's really good at it. And I think it's a, I think it's actually on some radio station somewhere, and they repurpose it for the podcast. But I'm not sure. I could okay. be wrong about that. Um, and it varies in length, anywhere from 20 minutes to sometimes almost an hour. But those are the rare ones. And I'm going to say it's the most recent one, but I could be wrong on that. And by the time you listen to this, it probably won't be the most current one. But he did an interview with Andrew McCarthy. And you probably remember him from all those 80 movies. I do. Yeah. yeah. And I knew that he was a travel writer now. I had read it somewhere not too long ago. And I found that interesting that here's someone that was a really big 80s star. His his career, as far as I knew, looked like it kind of fizzled out. I wasn't sure if he was doing any acting or what anymore. But now he's doing this travel writing thing. And I guess he had been doing it for like a decade. I found that really interesting. And I was looking forward to this interview. And it was a good one. But at one point, they're talking about the viewer's perception of him is really stuck in the 80s, in the early 90s. And that a lot of directors and and, um, people like that wouldn't give him the chance because of what his image was. And that this was a new phenomenon that happened in the 80s that really didn't happen to actors before that. And the reason was, and, and it was a casual comment that he made, but it really kind of caught my attention. The reason for that was the advent of the VCR. That movies like Pretty and Pink, which we kind of think of as classics now, um, and a lot of people, oh, that's my favorite movie, and you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That didn't happen before if a movie wasn't hugely successful, and that was not a hugely successful movie at the movie theater. But people were renting or buying VCR tapes, VHS tapes or Betamax, whatever, taking them home and then watching them hundreds of times. Yeah. That that never happened before. And that because they watched them so often, they owned the movie, in quotes, um, it felt special to them. And it was hard for people to take the people, the characters in that movie... And see them in other things because it's it's always going to be that guy from that movie, yeah. And that this was not a phenomenon before. It just it you went to the movie theaters and that's that's what it was. You didn't get to take it home. You didn't own it. And I found that interesting. And I wonder if that's the case that we're seeing now with podcasts and stuff like that. That it's it's taken that concept, but it's turned it on its ear. In that, we're not stuck with Alec Baldwin as just the star of uh, The Hunt for Red October and 30 Rock, right? He also does this podcast that I like to listen to. And I completely accept that. I don't put him in this shoebox, and that's it. Like I would have with an Andrew McCarthy in the 80s. Well, not not only that, I think it it gives... It certainly gives, um, you know... Uh, performers an opportunity to do different things at, at a lower risk you know um, if you if, a, if an actor wants to do a web show 
or a uh, podcast or something like that, they can do that without the colossal investment of time and money that it used to cost, which means that they can push their range or do different things. I mean, if you look at actors, a lot of them, a lot of the, the people who kind of were famous in those times, who you think have disappeared, they're, they're still acting, but they're acting in theatre. And the reason for that is that you know, in theatre, you can do different things because the the level of investment, the level of financial risk is much lower. So therefore, people are prepared to take more chances and cast you in different roles. Whereas, you know, if you're a if you're a big TV star, um, and then you want to do another show, um, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars investment if that show bombs. Yep. And so, so obviously, studios and and producers are very conservative about who they hire and what they what they hire, uh, and um, uh, what and what they make. And that means that you do get. Uh, you can, it's very easy to get typecast and consequently not work very much after or, or you do see I mean, I, I, I've noticed this you know as somebody who, who spent a lot of time in the States growing up um, I've noticed this where I've seen uh, big actors from the US who have, may have had a sitcom or, or a big show for a few years have then left the US and come to work in the UK for a while and that's basically because they're not typecast in the UK. Right. Uh, and similarly, you do, you do see these things where somebody will have a big hit and then they'll be gone from the screen for like six years and then they come back doing something else. And it seems to need, need that six-year gap before um, studio execs are prepared to employ them again. Yeah, I think that's so, changing, that's though. Not- and I think technology is changing that because yeah. these people that have a name, if you will, they're, are, they're not limited anymore to who will hire them, hat, going hat in hand to a casting director hoping to get a part. They can take to the airwaves, in quotes, when they want, free, for the most part, with you know a podcast. It could be a video podcast. They can, they can create their own little show and put it on YouTube. I mean, the possibilities now are just endless. And yeah. I, I put a lot of things under the, the podcast umbrella, um, fairly or unfairly, but it's that's the technology that I like. The, I love the distribution method. I love the almost zero entry barrier to entry. Now it's it's almost nothing because everybody has a computer, and well, you could do yeah, a lot you know, of this on your iPad or your iPhone or your your Galaxy Three. I mean, yeah, it, I, I, I find, I mean, it's amazing to me. A couple of good examples. Let's look at look at what happened during the uh, writer's strike a few years ago. Um, what Joss Whedon did. Yeah, it was yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's a perfect example. This was uh, so it was writer's strike. No, nothing was being made in Hollywood. Uh, so he took some of his favorite performers and he did uh, a web series with them. Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Blog, I think it was called. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was. You know, it was brilliant complete, and completely different. Not the sort of thing that you would ever see commissioned as a show. No. No, and you know? it was and it was one of those things that exploded in popularity. He's exactly. he's just as known now for that as he is for the Avengers or Buffy the yeah. Vampire Slayer. Well, I would argue that that sort of thing is what got him the Avengers gig. You know, he'd done he'd done the big TV shows, he'd done Buffy. He was famous for for what happened with uh, Firefly and Serenity and the fact that it it got canned and then he got to do the movie and and all of that sort of thing. But all of that stuff, the way he's approached that is is it must be part of what you know gave people the confidence to give him the Avengers gig. I would think so because he he and it's because he kind of developed a cult following almost in that yeah. He he went away from the establishment, did his own thing, and showed how good it could be. 
Just how uh, fantastic. Yeah, he did something of very high quality yeah. on a tiny, tiny budget and then got it, to, you know, distributed it himself around the world. Yep. You know, I mean, an amazing opportunity. It, it was and, so and good I, that I you whether, could... Um, yeah, was, was Neil Patrick Harris working at that point? Uh, not, and most people weren't because of the writer strike, but yeah, no, he no, he was working. About, was, was, yes. he, was he already in How I Met Your Mother? Yes, because that was the first time I became aware of uh, of of his. And range he had been doing uh, the Humar, or I can't think of the Kumar movies. The right. going to White Castle, yeah, he did that. Yeah. But but to be honest, that was the the thing that put him back on the map, center stage. Everybody was like, "Wow, this guy's fantastic." Because everyone remembered him as Doogie Hauser, right? <laughs> and 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 most of the things like the the Kumar and uh, Harold and Harold Kum- Kumi. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, the only reason he got that was because he was Doogie Hauser, and they played up the whole oh they, you were Doogie Hauser yeah. thing. He's transcended that now. Yeah, he's his own person. It's not oh he's the guy who played Doogie Hauser. Yeah. It's oh it's Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's take a quick break, David, and when we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about the iPad Mini. It came out during our two weeks not on Tech Fan, and I know every other tech podcast in the world's kind of talked it to death, but uh, uh, let's talk about it a little bit. So, guess. Sorry, I'm just boogieing out to that. You know, while that's playing, you know, I'm shaking my ass. It is so catchy. I'm shaking my ass. Ass? Mm. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm shaking my ass. My ass. I'm sorry. Guys joke. Guys joke. Mostly clean. I do have a tip for you. It's a very, very quick one. That's why we've been going on about nothing. Oh, no change there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting Can I do you this again. tip? I'll be, yes, I'll be quiet now. Daz's tips. Guys jokes. Only. Thank goodness. On the My Mac podcast. Hi, Timothy Gregoire here from the Church Tech Geeks podcast. Well, I'm about to run a sound check here at the church for a concert, but I want to take a quick moment to tell you about the Church Tech Geeks podcast. It's a weekly show that talks about all things live production and church technology. We talk about topics from live sound, lights, and media to building websites for your organization. Join me each week as I walk you through some useful skills or while I talk to special guests from Adam Christensen to Nate Rake in a media shout. Now, if you excuse me, I have the concert run. The Church Tech Geeks is a member of the Stoplight Network. It can be found in iTunes or at thechurchtechgeeks.com or in the Attack of the Stoplight Network feed. Back on Tech Fan Podcast number 98. Of course, we would love to hear feedback from you guys, as David and I were talking about earlier. Easiest way is to go to techfanpodcast.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, and uh, send us feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at, at MyMac on Twitter. And I'm at David B. Cohen. I'm not that much of an active Twitterer. But anytime I get a message from someone, I reply to it. I just, I, yeah. I don't know why. I know, I, I physically know the people on Facebook that I'm friends with. And I don't know most of the people on Twitter that follow me or that I follow. So I feel like I just don't have real conversations there that I do on Facebook. So I spend much more time on Facebook. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I still don't like Facebook very much at all. That's the thing. I don't yeah. really like Facebook either. Yeah. It's just that that's where people are that I know. Yeah. But I've got to admit, I've not been... I've not been using Twitter as much as I used to. I, I probably need to spend a little bit more time doing that. But uh, though I'll, same, if I get a message, then I will always reply. Yep. So uh, if you do want to raise something with us, then, then by all means. So the iPad mini came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really still haven't had much of an opportunity to play with one. Because quite I honestly, seen, I've yeah. been just swamped. We finally got some yeah. uh, to sell at Mac Specialist. And... Uh-huh. Uh, it's small. That's that's the clue. And a lot of people, you know, the guys at work, they were, we were standing around up front right before I left yesterday talking about it. And uh, one of them asked me, are you getting a, or you're getting an iPad mini, aren't you, Tim? Almost as if it was a foregone conclusion. And I said, yeah, probably. But then I started thinking about that on my drive back from Chicago back to West Michigan. Here's my issues. Um, number one, I think it's a brilliant form factor. I've liked that form factor since I bought my Kindle Fire yeah. over a year ago. I just don't like the Kindle Fire because, well, it's a Kindle Fire. Yeah. Um, I own two iPads, the original and the iPad 3. And I have absolutely no intention of buying an iPad 4 unless my 3 dies on me or something. Yeah. Because... Same screen, same everything, except a faster processor, which who cares, because none of the app developers are going to write apps specifically for that processor right now, because why would you slit your throat when there's 30 million iPad 3 users out there? Exactly, yeah. And a different connector, which I'm going to have to buy um, conversion cables for if I wanted to use it with anything else. So there's no reason for me, or to be honest, I can see for a lot of people who own the iPad 3, to jump to the iPad 4. It's an incremental, if if that, upgrade. Yeah. So, getting back to the iPad mini. I don't know. What are you, What's your thoughts there, David? Well, my take on this, I've not actually physically seen one yet. So, I've read a lot of reviews, uh, and I've had a lot of conversations about it, because a lot of people in here in the office, have, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up, they're thinking about buying iPads, and they've asked me my opinions. I also had opportunity recently to play with a Google Nexus 7 for about half an hour, um, and as you know, I bought that new phone while I was in Hong Kong, so I'm a bit more familiar with Android than I used to be. Um, so, I, I was kind of interested. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think Google's got a strong play with a, a device that's so cheap. I think I think it's far and away uh, better than the Kindle Fire or even the Fire HD. I agree. Uh, but so the, the question is, if somebody's coming to you and I've had this conversation, you know, I want to buy an iPad or I want to buy a tablet, what should I buy? Should I buy a cheap one or should I buy uh, a, an iPad mini or should I buy a full, full-size iPad? So I've been really going back and forth on it. But, but here's where I am. I'm of the view that probably at some point I will buy one. And the reason for that is that I know from my own personal experience. I have an iPad 3, so I've got Retina display. I went from the original iPad to the iPad 3, so I've got Retina display, I've got fast processor, I've got loads of storage on there. You know, it's a great machine for me. But there has been many instances when I have deliberately chosen not to use the iPad because I'm concerned about how big it is. So if I'm, you know, I do a lot of traveling. So if I'm out and about... Um, and I want to, uh, you know, go and have a meal, and I might want to read a book or something while I'm reading, while I'm uh, out, or when maybe watch a video or something like that. 
there have been many, many times where I said, oh, you know, if I'm going to do that, I'll do it on my iPhone. I'm not going to do it on my iPad because the iPad is so big. I had to feel a little bit self-conscious, you know, kind of hoofing it around and having it on the table sat in front of me. You know, having said that, I appreciate the size of the iPad when I am using it for work, and I do use mine for work, so I, I use it as a laptop substitute quite a lot. Um, but I have had that experience, and even at home, there have been many times when I found myself sat on the sofa browsing the web or reading my news feeds and that, or something like that on my, um, on my, my old iPhone that I use as a touch at home rather than the iPad. And it's just because it's smaller, it's in my hand, and that sort of thing. So I think I would get some real benefit out of having a mini that gives me more iPad features, but in a smaller, particularly not so much smaller, but lighter form factor. I think that would kind of gel with me. And I also have, we have two iPad 2s in the house, my wife's and my son's. So I can readily compare the screens between my, uh, my t- between a 2 and a mini, uh, a 2, and which is what the mini's like, uh, and the rest of the display. And yeah, while the rest of the display is better, I don't think that the, the old display is so bad that it would seem too much of a downgrade to me in a smaller form factor. So I can see myself some point in the next 12 months um, going and buying a mini and perhaps even replacing my iPad 3 with it. I don't see the value of having both. And that, that's where I'm at. I don't see the yeah. value in having both. Now, obviously today, for instance, I was I got back quite late last night, and uh, Brooke got sick at school. She's actually, usually when I do the podcast, uh, Julie takes the kids and leaves, especially in the summertime. That's three. It's two kids instead of just the one. Mm-hmm. But we didn't send Brooke to school today because she woke up last night and just got sick all over her bed, and we... You know, I had to change all the sheets and the pillowcases yeah. at you know eleven thirty at night, and she came down crying. I mean, she just she didn't feel good. Yeah. Now she seemed okay this morning, but uh, you know, there's something there, and I didn't want her to infect all the children at school as well. Yeah. So unlike most times when I do the podcast, Brooke is actually here right now. She's upstairs, uh, either reading or watching. There's a a little TV with the VCR hooked up, and it's got a built-in VCR or something like that up in her bedroom. And she's being very quiet because Daddy made it well known that I'm doing a podcast. You have to be quiet now. (laughs) And, you know, we've been doing this for almost an hour. And she's been been fantastic. Um, She's at the age where I could say I need you to be quiet while I do this. And I know she'll be quiet. Whereas Cole at, you know, almost five doesn't have that switch. Yeah. Um, That being said, the thing that. I knew they were going to be ecstatic about, and Cole literally jumped up and down, going, "Yay!" Mm-hmm. So excited. And Brooke knew this was coming out, and she knew Daddy was going to get it. You know what it is? What's that? Angry Bird Star Wars. Yeah, my my son is also <clears throat> jonesing for it. Yes, and yeah. they played the crap out of that this morning. Brooke on the iPad 1, which technically is my wife's now, and Cole on the iPad 3. And it started me thinking, I'd really like to be able to read on my iPad right now. Yeah. But he's playing Angry Birds Star Wars. And it's much easier to play Angry Birds on an iPad than an iPhone. It might be good on the iPhone 5. I don't know. I don't have one. But um, just the bigger screen, blah, blah, blah. But I started thinking, if I had the iPad mini or two, they would be able to use those and it would free up my iPad back for me and the iPad 1 back for my wife to use. 
Um, but that's the rarity. That's that's not an everyday occurrence. So, do I really need the iPad Mini? Because let's be honest, I probably wouldn't use it a whole lot, David. I already have an iPad. Do I want to do what I'm doing on my iPad just on a smaller screen? Well, I can already do that on my iPhone, and I choose not to because I'm getting older. My eyesight isn't what it used to be, and I like the bigger screen. Now, don't get me wrong. The 7-inch screen, let's let's just call it an 8-inch. I mean, at that size, it's practically an 8-inch screen. Um, It's not tiny like an iPhone, but yet, given a choice, okay, go ahead and... I'm going to go and lay down in bed, and I'm going to read for a half hour before I fall asleep. Do I want to do that on a bigger screen or a smaller screen? Most of the times, David, I, I want the bigger screen. So I, And I know the retina display isn't that big of a deal for some people. It is to me. When I look at my wife's iPad now, I'm like, ugh. I'm just too used to a retina because of the iPhone 4, 4S, and the mm-hmm. iPad 3. I'm just too used to a retina display that the other ones just doesn't look all that appealing to me. No, I, I do know what you mean. But I, I put my three and two next to each other the other day to show somebody here at work. Because she, she was asking about the Mini. I was trying to demonstrate what the difference is. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and while you could see it, uh, I think the point is is that the, you know, the, the screen on the two is really still pretty good. Oh, it is. And, and uh, I'm not saying uh, that the iPad Mini screen is bad by any yeah, stretch no, of the I'm, imagination. No, exactly. Now, now the question is, is that obviously it's physically smaller um, and also lower resolution. So browsing the web, there are going to be sites where you're going to have to do a lot more pinching and zooming to read them properly over a retina display where you can get away without doing that as much. Um, and, and I think that the big question that I need to answer, ask, answer myself before I buy one is how easy is it to type on, in landscape format? Because I do a lot of typing directly on the screen on my iPad. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, I don't yeah. do that. So, you know, I have, I have an external keyboard for it, but I don't really use it very much. I use it a lot as a, as a, as a, a, basic, as a typing machine in landscape format, propped up in a case. Right. Um, and for writing notes, for editing documents, uh, and that sort of thing. The whole time I was in Hong Kong, every meeting I was at, I was, I was banging out notes on the iPad. You know, and it's really good. And, it, you know, despite that old, you know, chestnut about, oh, it's only a consumption device, rubbish. It's it's better than a laptop for when you're taking notes in meetings because you can type on it. The the, the keyboard is full size. You can type on it. Yeah, you don't get any feel, but you can type on it, particularly if you're not a touch typist. And also it's completely silent, which is not the case for a laptop. And you also don't have a screen putting up a barrier <coughs> between the person you're talking to. Yeah. So it's, it's fabulous for that. Um, and uh, so the Mini needs to... If I buy one, the Mini needs to be able to do that for me. Um, otherwise, it's it's a non-starter. The the only thing that that really gives me pause, assuming that I can, you know, resolve all those things. I know what um, it is. Yeah, is the fact that we know full well that the next mini will have a retina display and probably yeah. a faster processor on it. Well, for me, it's price. <laughs> it's price. Yeah. Um, I really thought Apple had an opportunity to here here to start at two forty nine, and I think three twenty nine. Is that's what it is, right? Three twenty nine. Yeah. Three twenty nine to me is seventy five dollars. Too much. It, it's just a little bit pricey. And Apple's I, never yeah. tried to compete on price, is what everyone likes to say. And I say horseshit. All you have to do is look at the iPods. They absolutely competed on price. Yeah. Because 
everyone's complaint with the iPod was, well, it's just too expensive. So they came out with the Nano. Well, technically, originally the iPod Mini. And then the Nano. And then the Shuffle. And they destroyed the market for everybody else. They just crushed all their competition because Apple had a solution at every single price point. They're not doing that with tablets right now. The entry-level tablets, if you want a good one, is $199, and that's either the Kind of Fire or the Lexus, or the Lexus, the Nexus Seven, right? So there's your choices at two hundred bucks. The next choice is three twenty-nine for the iPad Mini, then three ninety-nine for the iPad Two, and then four ninety-nine starting at the full-sized iPad. I think there's yeah, a huge market there that Apple is simply not touching, and this was. A prime opportunity, prime opportunity to to hit that two fifty mark, at which price point it still would have been profitable for them, and they simply wouldn't have kept them in stock. And this is probably I, the the least demanded product that Apple has released in a number of years. I think I think I mean that's all valid points, but I think there's a couple of things you need to remember. Uh, Google's making no money on the next seven at that price point. Yeah, but they don't have the scale that Apple does. Especially no, in hardware. But, nev- but nevertheless, if they're, if they're just breaking even at that, even with Apple's you know, truly wizard supply chains, they're not going to make a particularly high margin. Well, I, I, ta- I said just, 250 I said 249 Yeah, yeah but, it, but even so, uh, uh, let's, let's say they can squeeze some margin out at, uh, at 199 because they've got better supply and better scale. And then they put it at $250, uh, and they've got, they've got an extra $50 of margin to play with there. I think that they're taking the long game on the Mini. I think they're gambling that it's going to be the big seller, the biggest seller of the range in the long run. And so I think the reason they've priced it at 329 is because that gives them enough headroom in the margin to rev it every year with increased specs and destroy the competition that way. So I think at 329 they can keep it the same price point this time next year but have a retina display in there and still make good money on it. And I think that's the game they're playing here. I think they're, they're gambling that most people shopping for a tablet are not saying, I want the best price, I want the best tablet i can buy for the money they're saying i want the best ipad i can get for the money i've got and i think they're saying our only price competitor when people who are price sensitive is the ipad 4 as it is now so they're basically saying people are going to go into an apple store and say oh i can get this one for 329 or i can get this one for 499 yeah, that, I think that's what they, they think the market is going to do. I think the people who are so price sensitive that they can't spend three twenty nine, those people were probably never going to go anyway. And it, one a one ninety nine to three twenty nine is just close enough. No, it's not. Look at the specs for 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 people who are maybe on the fence to say, you know what, I'm going to get better value out of the iPad, particularly as many of those people may already have uh, another iOS device, and so they can. They, I mean, that is. The conversations I've had with people here this week about this, literally been three or four people, what has been consistently been a deciding factor for many of them when I say, well, you can spend more and get the iPad or you can spend less and get a Nexus 7, is when I say, but of course, you know, if you get the iPad, um, it's a little bit more money, but you can use all the software you've got currently for your iPhone. Yep. For at least two people, they've immediately said, oh, well, well, you know, in that case, it's definitely worth getting the iPad. And that is a huge factor that complete when people are analyzing things completely ignore. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but the fact is... It's a mature ecosystem, and they've already invested in software. They've already invested. And it's not only that, it's it's an ecosystem that people trust. So even if they haven't already invested, they're thinking, well, I'd, I'd rather buy... The iOS software—that's that's where all the hot stuff is. That's where all the newest games come out first. That's where you know the best prices are and the best value, uh, and all of that sort of thing. The whole thing kind of, you know, becomes a big ball of goodness. I think when you f- float all of those things in, and the entry price. And how many times have, have we said this before? That when you buy something like a phone, yeah, the price you pay up front doesn't matter. It's the price you pay in a contract that actually really is the real cost of a phone. So you buy an iPhone, the fact you pay 249 or 349 up front is is immaterial except for the against the fact that you're going to spend $1000 a year on that thing just keep keeping it serviced. Right. It's a little bit the same with the iPad in that what you spend up front is a dwarf by what you will spend in the ecosystem during the life you have that product. For some people. And so for well for I think for an awful lot of people I think most people for iOS users that's not the, it's just not the case with Android devices. No, but you know what I have experience now of the of the iOS store of the Android store and it's just awful. Mm-hmm. You know, every single piece of software you go. Oh, there, that's support. my point. They're, they're just yeah. they're, they're, they're not has, buying has, there. No, no, but that's but the problem is is you when, you, when anything you want to get you've got to wade through clones and malware and horrible stuff in in an interface that, that really I mean it makes iTunes look look elegant the uh, Google Play Store there is basically no way to browse properly in the Google Play Store you have to know what you're looking for and search for it and then you can find it very easily better than you can in in iTunes but if you can't if you don't know what it is you want to look for a category or a type of app you've just got no chance. Absolutely no chance. You just won't find it. Last thing I wanted to uh, mention here, David, before we wrap up this episode, because we're coming up on that magical one hour. Yeah. And uh, I don't think you've had a chance to play with one, and I know I haven't, and I I am very curious. Um, The reviews have been uh, all over the board, so I would really like to to play with it myself and and make up my own mind. And that's the new uh, Windows Surface RT tablet that came out. Yeah. I'm very curious about this device. Um, I don't know what to think because I just haven't played with one. I've read some horrific reviews, and I've read other ones that they were pleasantly surprised. And I know a lot of people would assume that I would hate it because I'm a Mac guy and I run an Apple specialist and blah, 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 blah. Um, not I, I, I like to think that I'm a little bit more open-minded than that. Yeah, and I'm very curious about this product. To be honest, me too. I mean, you know, as I, as I've just explained at some length, you know, I I use my tablet for work, so the prospects of having something that runs proper Office, yes, which despite the fact that a lot of people in the tech industry kind of oh, who uses Office anymore? Everyone uses Google Docs, yeah. you can use Pages and everything. You know what? Wake up. In the business world, it's office, yep. and it's always office, and it's always going to be office. Well, I don't want to yeah. say it's always going to be, but well, it is right know, now, so and it has traditionally been. It is right been. now, and, and you, can't, you can't underplay. No, and, and you cannot. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree. And I'm very curious about this product. I yeah. And I'll be honest. A lot of people say, oh, I bet you hope this is a flop. No, I don't. I never hope any product is a flop. And I hope I've made that clear on this podcast over the years. I don't wish ill on any one company or product. I really don't. Because the better the competition is out there, the better the other competition is going to be. They're going to feed off of each other. 
And what's the market for PCs? Is like 500 million units a year or something like that. Right. Tablets. Tablets has easily got to be the same size, if not more. So there, there is loads and loads of room for players in this market. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be, they can be only one. Well, Google just so, came out with a, a thing for uh, the next version of Android, and it's multi-user. And I said, oh, someone's finally doing that. That so yeah. had to happen. And it looks like it's a pretty slick interface to switch between mobile users. And that's exactly what iOS needs. I mean, they need to get a little, a lot more consistent in, in the architecture of the uh, iOS, i.e., how many button clicks is it to do certain things is just, just ridiculous. Managing your apps on the device is just atrocious on iOS. Nobody can argue so, with that. The folders, no, it's definitely. terrible. The folders, it's, yeah, the folders don't work. The, how many times have you... Folder and right. it's lost. It's, you'll never see it again. <laughs> it, or if you're trying to delete something, how many times do you have to hit that little X before you hit it exactly right yeah. to delete it? It's it's just terrible. So I can only yeah I can only hope that with the departure of Scott Forrestal from Apple, that um, we'll see some more substantive changes in iOS now. We'll see, but it, it there there's major problems with iOS. Let's not overlook those. And if Google's going to address some of these issues and it's going to make them successful, then it's going to force Apple to address some of these issues. So those of us yeah. who are iOS fans. We'll get those solutions, and those of us who like Android devices, we get those devices first. So yeah, I've got uh, I've got to be honest with you. Having bought an Android device, a lot of stuff that that they do in Android in terms of how you interact with the operating system is is far superior to iOS. Yeah, absolutely, they do have problems with with the speed and fluidity of the interface. Yep. Um, which shows that there are issues there, and as I said, there are huge problems with the with the store, and it is far too techy. There's far too much stuff exposed for my liking. But in terms of actually how you interact with the operating system, it's a very very fine UI. And with that, we're going to, and hopefully, David and I, either one of us, will get our hands on a, a Windows tablet soon because I, I really do want to play with one. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We really appreciate you guys listening and those who didn't purge us from our uh, from your your devices. We appreciate that. Uh, we'd love feedback. It's uh, techfanpodcast.com. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at, at MyMac or do a search for Tim Robertson on Facebook, and I'm sure you'll find me there as well. And mine's, I don't have any of the big privacy things on, so... If you're a fan of the show, send me a friend request on Facebook, and I'll say, cool. Uh, unless you're an SEO guy, and because <laughs> those I just ignore. Well, what, what do you do if you're an SEO guy, but you are a big fan of the show? And then you should send me a message and say, I'm a, te- I'm a fan of TechFan. Or I, I, I like listening to you and David on TechFan. And I go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. He's a good guy, then. Okay. Or Gail. So with that, David, let's uh, wrap up this episode, and I'll see you next week, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Bye. Bye.